0: Who wants to talk sports on a Monday? We do. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. Along with my co-host, John Riley, we welcome you to the Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center Studios, our Monday bonus podcast. John, good to be back. We have an awful lot to cover as we both come off the injured reserve list. Lots to talk about in sports. We got baseball, we got football, got some other ancillary sports stories. But before we start, for everybody that joins us on our live stream, we're sales pitching everybody to subscribe. Our numbers on this podcast have gone through the roof and we're setting all kinds of record numbers on Instagram. How do people subscribe? And then explain to them what happens at the end of the Monday bonus podcast, the Fans Forum. Okay, so the Fans Forum is where you can get involved. If you've got a question, a comment
1: for Hacksaw on any of the topics on the table, just type it in the live chat on Facebook or YouTube. And yeah, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Like, follow, share, and subscribe on Twitter, threads, Instagram,
0: Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Hacksaws everywhere on the digital uh, planet, right? And a reminder, when you subscribe, you can give us a thumbs up. Give us a five-star rating because we'll take it. And by the way, if you like sports, have you sampled my website, leehacksawhamilton.com? ton of stories every day. I write on it every day. If you're an NFL football fan, you need to read what I wrote about the Chargers and the Vikings and what happened Sunday in Minnesota. So there's lots of ways for you to join our team. And our podcast is brought to you by Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. For fall, fix it, build it, guarantee you will enjoy it at Dixie Line. John, let's get started. It says here you want to talk Baseball pennant race.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we're finally at the end of a disappointing season. We've got a one last road trip to go, Hacksaw. But so
0: much coming out of the Padre organization. What are you hearing? Okay. Nice, nice headline. Empty rhetoric. That's what I think this is all about now. And all of a sudden today, story breaks. Padre players finally respond to everything that happened in the last week in the media. The questions about the culture, the lack of leadership, bad relationships, front office versus the manager versus the players in the dugout. New phrase, circle the wagons. Hmm. Everybody's talking about, well, the media is not really right. But then Joe Musgrove stepped up and said, there were issues we should have solved and we did not get them solved. We have now had meetings since the articles came out and we think we've fixed the problem. And everybody putting their arms around Manny Machado, great teammate, good leader, etc. Everybody saluting Bob Melvin, he's a guy we want to play for. Nobody's signing off on all the anonymous junk that was given to the UT and given to the athletic beat writers about problems internally. So, here we are final week of the season. Padres, for some reason, are feeling good about themselves. Why would you feel good at 77 and 79 with a $253 million payroll? Why would you feel good when the numbers are staggering? Yes, they've won nine of their last 10, but they played three series against three last place teams. What's the accomplishment there? (laughs) Uh, The numbers. 42-37 42 and 37 at Petco Park. Not much of a home field advantage. The numbers. When trailing in the 8th inning 2 and 69 with that batting order. Can Brutal. you believe that? The numbers. 0 and 12 in extra inning games equaling the all-time worst extra inning record in a single season of the old Montreal Expos. <laughs> numbers. in one-run games. It is now tied with the all-time worst record ever in baseball set in 1935 by the Boston Braves. 41 losses against teams that were 500 or less this season. And since the trade deadline, which was going to solve everything, 25 and 24. And as I watched on Sunday, my heart said, is this the last time we see Blake Snell out on the mound at Petco Park pitching for the Padres? Soon to be free agent. Last time we see Josh Hader, top closer in Major League Baseball, soon to be a free agent. How f- long will it be before we see Machado back? Because he's going to have elbow surgery shortly, five to seven months rehab time. And who knows whether Darvish and Musgrove coming off their elbow and shoulder problems, respectively come back and be the same stalwart starters they were before. So at the end of the day, awful lot of empty rhetoric in that clubhouse. You know, the word word I want to use is accountability. How are you going to place and spread the blame for what was, I think, the worst season in Padre history? Worse than the 100 lost seasons when they're an expansion team. Worse seasons when they got run out of the World Series four in a row. How do you explain this? That talent, that payroll, and this record in the set of numbers I just gave you. Circle the wagons. More like circle the drain. Go ahead, yeah, John. Well,
1: I think they're you know trying to put a smiley face on the whole thing, right? I mean, I saw the interview that Marty Caswell had with Joe Musgrove in front of the dugout. And Joe was accountable. He says, yeah, we just didn't perform. We didn't get the big hits. And we needed it. But, you know, now that the pressure is off, they feel more relaxed and now they can actually go out there and play. But in the end, this season has got to be one of the worst in Padre history. Complete disappointment. They kept teasing us and thinking they were going to get back into it. They're still under 500 despite winning 9 of 10. They're still under 500. So, I'm just ready to throw this whole season in the trash can and turn the page because it was just awful. The whole thing was just terrible. Now, I saw reports that the Padres are likely not going to sign Snell or Hader. They're going to let them walk because they want to bring those uh, payroll numbers down. Well, geez, if you don't sign those two guys, I mean, who's, well, maybe Suarez would be your closer, but you don't have more starting pitching because Lugo is going
0: to probably be gone. Waka's is going to be gone. I mean, what are you going to do? Well, I think the one positive, the Preller, quote, boots on the ground, he'll go find players, maybe at much lower prices. I mean, because he did find Nick Martinez, who's been really serviceable. And Waka Had he been pitching at Fenway Park this year, where he was a year ago with a good record, Red Sox would be in the playoffs. Walkers turned out okay. Lugo has been a nice back of the rotation rental. So you can go find guys, but now you have to go find multiples and multiples of guys. Unless you can convince these guys, hey, this was a good experience. 61 sellouts, all time record. 3.23 million fans. You guys are beloved. That's my sales pitch to Snell when Scott Boris is in the room. Why don't you stay here? You rallied back. We fixed your career. Stay here. We'll pay you some. Whether or not they want to pay him $30 million, which I think is going to be the price tag, I think they have to sales pitch some of these guys really hard because this was a good environment, good experience, and a beautiful ballpark in America's finest city with a bunch of real rabid fans. But if it's all about going out to get the next paycheck from somewhere, then these guys— Are gone. It's it's a juggling act. Uh, They're they're going to have to replace guys if guys leave. And the question is, is the payroll coming from two fifty three down to two hundred million? Because that's the number that has been kind of echoed to me by player agents. So that's where we are now. But lousy feeling in this thing, and I just I don't want to hear. Empty rhetoric, and I don't want anybody quote circling the rat wagons as if everything is beautiful because it's not. Your season's a week from ending, and you're ending out of the playoffs, and that's not acceptable to me. No,
1: not not at all. It's not acceptable at all. But you know, you look at like Snell is an interesting character. I mean, first of all, you can tell that he likes it here. The fans love him here, Uh, and yeah, it's been an electric crowd at at, at Petco all season, but. Are other teams going to be putting big money on the table for Snell? Cause everyone knows that he's hot and cold. And when he's cold, he's really cold. You know, so there, maybe people are going to be hesitant to commit to Snell. Cause remember before he was only going three and two thirds innings, 100 pitches. I mean, no one wants to pay 30 million a year for that.
0: But Scott Boros gets money for his clients. He sales pitch bamboozles somebody. There's probably somebody out there that'll do something like that. One thing is Snell has stayed healthy ever since he had the elbow surgery in Tampa post the Cy Young Award season. He's just been rock solid, and he throws a lot of pitches, and he he makes every start. Uh, Interesting to see what the price tag on him will be. Hey, you're a Padre fan with us on live stream. Jump now into the chat room and get ready to fire us some questions. I guess the burning question, who do you blame for what this has become? And do you agree with John and I about these guys shouldn't be circling the wagons and giving us a bunch of empty (laughs) rhetoric? Okay, from baseball. Let's go to NFL football.
1: Oh, my God. This Chargers Vikings game was so
0: weird at the end. I'm shocked the Chargers won. I tell you, this whole weekend, nice headline there. This whole weekend in the NFL was bizarre. The Chargers, they won despite their head coach, Brandon Staley. The Vikings lost because of their head coach, Kevin O'Connell, and his defensive coordinator, Brian Flores. Here's the quick explanation. So they go into the game, and Brian Flores, with a a beleaguered defense, sets up a defense that drops a ton of people in coverage, keeps everything in front of them. We're not going to give up home run plays to Justin Herbert. But what happened was Herbert made adjustments. I can't throw deep. That's no problem. Crossing patterns, outs, hooks, picks. He went 40 for 47. Nice. 405 yards. Wow. Three touchdowns, no picks. He was good. Couldn't run the ball worth a bleep, but they kept going down the field. Phenomenal day there. Awful day by Brian Flores. Hardly blitzed at all. Never got there, which was a big issue. Then then you've got the situation with Kevin O'Connell and the offense. They came out and surprised me because I thought Kirk Cousins was going down the field against a lousy secondary. Mm -hmm. They came out and pounded the ball. And Alexander Madison, former kid at Boise State, he really had a strong game. And, you know, they busted over 100 yards rushing, and they had big chunk plays. In the middle of the first quarter, they went away from it. And then they started to expose Kirk Cousins, who has no mobility – to throw in the ball. And Bosa got pressures, and then they blitzed the young defensive lineman, Tuli, Tuli Polotu. He had a phenomenal day for a rookie in his third game in the NFL. And the secondary got more aggressive because there was more pressure, and Cousins had people all around him. He wound up taking sacks and hits and pressures and all that. And their offense kind of sputtered. And I'm thinking to myself, why wouldn't you just shorten the bloody game, Kevin O'Connell, and run the damn ball because you've been running it, and you keep Justin Herbert off the field, you yeah. don't expose yourself to 40 for 47 throwing the football. Right. That didn't happen either. Then we get to the end of the game, and here's Brandon Staley, the, quote, riverboat gambler. And he, is, he was defiant in his Monday press conference. Defiant. Fourth and one at my own 24. No problem. We'll just run the ball. We haven't run the bleeping ball all day with Joshua Kelly because Minnesota's (laughs) front is huge and stout. Yeah. So instead of throwing it, instead of punting it, they run it. Kelly is stuffed. Minnesota has the ball in at the 24 with a minute 25 to go. Now they had no timeouts. Are you not better served? Rather than giving them 24 yards to the end zone with no timeouts, then punt the ball and make them go 75 yards without a timeout with a quarterback who was panicked because there's people coming at him all the time? (laughs) Made no sense to me at all. But Vikings took over. Now they go down to the goal line, and they get to the 6. And after multiple, multiple penalties, give them a first down. Got no timeouts left. They get to the six. And instead of getting up there and spiking the ball, here's Kirk Cousins standing here waiting for the call from the sidelines, and he can't hear. The noise (laughs) is so bad in that dome, Viking fans are going crazy. He can't hear. So he take it upon yourself. Walk the line of scrimmage and spike the ball. But his guys were meandering around. It was like there was no urgency to get to the line and get set. So he finally calls the play, throws it to the end zone, ball's tipped, ball's deflected. Ball's intercepted off the tight end's hands. Game over. O'Connell is under siege because now the Vikings are 0-3, and their next stop will be a high draft pick because they're not going to make the playoffs now. And today he was asked, if you think back now, do you wish you had done it differently? And Kevin O'Connell, the ex-Aztec, said, yeah, I should have probably just ordered him to spike it. But the reason we didn't was we thought we'd get to the line of scrimmage and we'd snap the ball and we'd catch the Chargers before they set their defense, get the tight end open, throw it, touchdown. Didn't quite happen that way. But why would you not spike it, call two plays that you could run in the final 24 seconds, and try to get the thing into the end zone with a tight end that they struggled covering, and obviously with a superstar, Justin Jefferson, who ran up and down the field all day, Catching passes from 22 to 52 yards. Oh, just these coaches are driving me crazy. Smart guys. All smart guys. (laughs) Yeah. So that's where we are on that situation. Minnesota has really screwed their season up. And the Chargers get to live at least one more week. But that was a bad coaching decision by smart guy Brandon Staley. That's my opinion hey, those of you on the live stream, you need to fire us a question or make a statement in the chat on fans form. So get in line so we can get your comments on the air. John, your response? Well, we
1: knew one of these coaches was going to have a Sunday night at
0: 0-3 and they would be
1: under siege. But really, they both deserve to be under siege. I mean, the Chargers should have lost that game. Now, In general, I kind of like it when teams go for on fourth down, you know, especially when they're in plus territory, like the, you know, on the other side of the 50. But this was at the end of the game, you had like 80 yards to go to score. I mean, it was idiotic to go for it then. And, and sure enough, they, they miss it. You know, I just, you could just see it happening. And I go, here we go again. you Yeah, charging. Yeah, they're going <laughs> to blow it again like they always do. And for some, yeah, like you say, you know, Kirk Cousin couldn't get it organized and time ran out. I mean, the, the, the Chargers escaped um, in a situation they had no business
0: winning. The most stunning thing to me is teams practice everything. These head coaches have their thumbs on everything as it relates to game plans. They practice 30-second drills. They practice goal line plays. And to watch the Vikings meander around after the ball was at the six-yard line, they had linemen that were over on the other hash mark. Why are you not back ready to get into a three-point stance? Where's the intelligence? I know they practice this stuff. Every coach has different down-and-distance things that, they drive into the players' brains that we're in crunch time. This is what we do, whether it's two-minute drill, four-minute drill, whatever. My goodness, Minnesota just looks so disorganized. And I, I just think that's bleeping lame. Said, like, Oh, the crowd's too loud. The sellout crowd that loves us, too but loud. But that's on O'Connell. That's on the offensive coordinator. That's on not- Kirk Cousins. He's a 12-year veteran And him too,
1: yeah. I mean, because... These are professionals and, and that you should practice for these kinds of things because they even talked about that in the, at the end of the Pittsburgh Raiders game, how Tomlin practices all these end-of-game situations. Sure. But here, the Vikings failed. And frankly, so did Staley. I mean,
0: on going forward on that fourth down. I mean, just idiotic. Well, next weekend, uh, the Chargers play another team in trouble. And somebody's going to be in real trouble by next Sunday night. Chargers Raiders. Oh yeah, SoFi.
1: That's going to be yeah. That someone's going to be in a tough spot, right? You
0: think there'll be a few people wearing silver and bleak? I mean, silver and black in uh, the stands at SoFi for that game? No, oh, you know there will be. Oh my goodness. So that's that's the storyline. Chargers Vikings. You got an opinion? Fans form chat boxes open. Don't sit there and just listen to us. Sit there. Look at that list. Holy cow, the people are standing in line. <laughs> Jump on board. OK, let's go to the next question in the NFL.
1: OK, so, yeah, those, those, the bizarre week in the NFL, all kinds of crazy games.
0: Well, let's talk about what happened in lots of different places. And we'll start with the logo on the left, the Miami Dolphins. NFL record, they scored 70 points. They beat the Broncos 70 to 20. (laughs) All-time record, 726 yards. They've been playing football since 1920. Nobody has ever put that number of yards on the board. And all of a sudden, Sean Payton's hand print on Bronco football looks like a smudged finger painting because they are not playing well. Granted, ton of injuries, but it, it almost looked to me like his defense just flat out quit. You give up 70 points, 726 yards, two threw through for 304. Boy, is that offense dynamic. The two Miami running backs, Mostert and Ashane, the rookie, between them, John, had a combined eight touchdowns wow. running and receiving. I mean, it was staggering. Tyreek Hill hardly contributed. Jalen Waddell didn't play because of a concussion. And they went out and put 70 on the board against the Broncos. Sean Payton reacted really badly post-game press conference. He got into it with a couple of questions from the media about this historic loss. He got very offended. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, you're (laughs) 0-3. Scoreboard does not lie. Right. So that's Miami's big win over Denver. Denver's got a lot of work to do, and they, they got so many players hurt. I don't understand how Arizona ambushes Dallas. This is just stunning to me. The Arizona Cardinals, with the journeyman third string quarterback Josh Dobbs, has like 185 all purpose yards, and they beat the Dallas Cowboys. Dobbs and James Conner just kind of took emotional control of the game. And Dak Prescott didn't look like Dak Prescott. The receivers didn't run with any authority, they weren't making many plays. I don't know if Dallas—Dallas Dallas was stunned at, at the end of the week when they lost their star cornerback, Andre Diggs, with mm-hmm. a severe knee injury. Gone for the year. Major surgery coming. They just did not look, not look like they were focused. I, I can't imagine that Dallas looked past Arizona and said, this is a walkover. But, boy, the Cowboys get ambushed by the Arizona Cardinals. Indianapolis, Baltimore. Speaking of surprises— hmm. Uh, Indianapolis does not have its starting quarterback, Anthony Richardson. Failed to get out of concussion protocol. He's still there. Went with a backup quarterback. But the guy they did have that won the game for them is ex-Rams field goal kicker Matt Gay. 53, 53, 53, and 54-yard field goals. No, nice. Yeah, from the other area. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, that was really <laughs> impressive. Uh, Lamar Jackson. All of a sudden, because Baltimore's got a bunch of injuries— all of a sudden, it's strictly Lamar throw, Lamar run. There's nothing else going on. Threw for 202, ran for 101, which is impressive, but they didn't spread the field. They didn't force Indy to defend the field. Uh, I thought the playbook was kind of screwy what Baltimore ran, but how about Indianapolis with uh, Gardner Minshew, journeyman quarterback, throwing for 200 plus yards and getting all those field goals? Indy wins over Baltimore. The Saints, this is bad they they were blowing out Green Bay uh New Orleans led seventeen nothing in the fourth quarter. Derek Carr got took a sack, fell on a shoulder, luckily did not separate it. He's got a bruised shoulder joint. He's probably out a week. They said this morning at the press conference that if this had been on artificial turf. His shoulder probably would have come out, and it would have been the end of the season. But because the grass they've got—real grass, good grass—Green Bay gave all. He got was a bruised joint, but they lost. And and you know, bingo! Here comes Green Bay. They come roaring back. That was really impressive what Jordan Love did. And they got injuries at running back, so they they post a victory over the Saints, which I, th- I think is kind of a blow for them. Green Bay scores 18 in the fourth quarter, wins that game. Houston. Man, did they drill the New York Jets. Jets are in some st- type of shock right now. C.J. Stroud throws for 298 for the Texans, two touchdowns. That includes a 69-yard touchdown pass. Had an offensive lineman pick up a block kick, lumbering and slumbering down the field, ran <laughs> 85 yards for a touchdown. Nice. That's kind of phenomenal. <laughs> um, and in terms of the Jets... They gave a vote of confidence today to Zach Wilson, maybe because there's nobody else on the roster that can play the position. Three more interceptions. The Jets were 2-14 and 14 on third downs. Ooh. So the Jets, Jets are going the wrong way. Pittsburgh. Uh, that was quite a slugfest. I did tell you the game would be played in the gutter. Yeah, yeah. you did. <laughs> on, you did. Uh, last Thursday. And it the defense really made the difference. And then Pittsburgh got stronger and stronger as the game wore on. Their pass rush, their coverage, the bravado the Steelers secondary played with. You know, there was a 56-yard punt at the end of the game that kind of saved the Steelers. There was a 57-yard field goal by Chris Boswell. There was a 72-yard Touchdown heave by the quarterback, Kenny Pickett, who was under all kinds of siege. Jimmy Garoppolo, he hung in there, and he took some wicked shots. Garoppolo wound up in concussion protocol this morning. Hmm. So that's a big blow to the Raiders. Threw for three twenty-four a couple touchdowns, but three picks, four quarterback sacks, seven hits. What a game by Devontae Adams. 13 for 172 yards, but the Raiders have no run game at all. Uh, And today, Devontae Adams kind of went off and said, there needs to be urgency in this Raider locker room to solve these problems. And he's not making reference to Garoppolo. But I think indirectly, he's making reference to this mess because they ran out of players on defense. Chandler Jones, their big money defensive end, is away from the team with, uh, to me, apparent mental health issues. Josh Jacobs has not been the same running back. And he's the one that held out the entire season, to the week of the first game and then finally showed up in a contractor spirit. So they got all kinds of problems there uh, with the Raiders, and now Jimmy G is banged up. So, I mean, what a weird weekend of upsets, strange games, weird calls, controversies after the fact. John? You picked them. You respond to it. It it was
1: a weird weekend. I mean, after the Cowboys absolutely destroyed the New York Giants, they get beat by the Cardinals, one of the the worst teams in the NFL. (laughs) And then, you know, and the Cowboys have that ferocious defense and the Jets have the great defense they lost. I mean, it's amazing. And then this, what's it, is it Gardner Minshew? Yes, the
0: journeyman. used to be in Jacksonville, a couple other places.
1: But he's a guy that... I remember he just sort of popped up on my radar last year. And I was like, who is this guy? Hey, he's not so bad. And I had to like go back. And where did he play college? I'm trying to remember. Was it like Washington State or something like
0: that? Yes, he was a one-year transfer that threw the hell out of the ball with the Cougars. And he had bounced around and... He's the gunslinger. He's okay. Now, he's not going to win you in an NFC championship game, but he's okay.
1: Yeah, well, Nate Burleson on CBS was saying, yeah, he's like the perfect backup. And I think he kind of is. But the the game that just blew me away is that Miami game against the, the Broncos. I mean, 70 points. I mean, I I can't even remember the last time the score was even in the 60s for any game. But imagine if you're Sean Payton, um, you know, you've been on the sidelines, you know, and Fox, you know, doing the the studio show, getting paid a lot of money for your big reputation. And these NFL teams keep throwing money at you. And, you know, man, if, if you take that job you got to go and, and dig a team out of a hole. I mean, that's the same thing that happened with, um, with Chucky, with the Raiders. You know, he, he was on TV. He goes and coaches, and he was in a terrible spot. He made his situation worse, of course. But sometimes I wonder if these highly paid coaches maybe regret taking it because they were
0: on Easy Street, you know, before when they were in the TV studio. Well, they're not going to hit the eject button on Sean Payton, but Sean Payton's got a lot of work to do. And, I, you know, there's, there's kind of a subliminal story there. That was Sean Payton that denounced Nathaniel Hackett and called the operation of the Denver Broncos an ultimate disgrace last year. My goodness, and what did we see on Sunday? Yeah, He didn't want to answer any questions about the statements he made about last year's embarrassment.
1: Well, he said he's the law. You know, so and now he won't take questions.
0: Now I mean, he's on. now he's getting hammered by the media <laughs> in Denver, and that's a football crazed town that cares. And they're going to tell you when they don't like what they see. And they're telling Sean Payton the last twenty four hours have been pretty miserable. And yeah, the law is now zero and three, <laughs> not good. And speaking of coaches in trouble, tell you what, there's there's some undercurrent in, in Las Vegas. Josh McDaniels is eleven and seventeen. Ooh. I mean, that's we're not talking about making any progress. With the silver and bleak, are we?
1: Yeah, no, it, yeah, it's just ridiculous. Like some of these guys get so much money, <laughs> and they're really
0: not much smarter than some of these other ones. Our Monday bonus podcast is brought to you by Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center Stores. Build it, fix it. You definitely will enjoy it for fall. John, before we get to halftime, just remind everybody about Fans Forum right at the end. Remind everybody about joining our team. There is an empty chair here for (laughs) somebody who wants to be part of Fans Forum when we get done with our Monday bonus podcast, Fire Away. Okay,
1: so I already see you all stacked up. Brett is out there. SG Sports Talk channel. Um, Gary and who else is on the list here? Uh, Gary and SG got a bunch of questions and comments. So you can jump in as well. Uh, just type in your question or comment for Hacksaw in the live chat. Facebook or YouTube will get you involved. And make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You know, the the audio-only platforms are blowing up, Lee. It's not just Instagram. Yeah.
0: Reminder also, when you subscribe, give us thumbs up. Give us five-star ranking because that really helps us nationally in terms of exposure. And if you like sports, you need to check my website. I write a ton every day. Excuse me, it's better than your newspaper, and you get it earlier, and it's free. If you have not checked my website, you need to check my website, leehacksawhamilton.com. Our Monday bonus podcast is brought to you by Dixie Line Lumber Home Setter Stores. You know, there are nine Dixie Line locations here. And you do projects around the house. I do. John really does in a state-of-the-art studio. Yeah. If you've got some time on your hands, just drive to a Dixie Line store and just walk through the facility and see all the things that they've got to offer, whether it's a big project or it's fixer-up time, you need to join hands with the people at Dixie Line. You name it, they'll help you find what you need. Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center Stores, as we like to say, fix it, build it for the fall, you will enjoy it. We're at halftime here of our Monday bonus podcast. We go from NFL football, John, as we start the second half. I couldn't walk away from the TV, though some of the games were pretty bad. And I might have walked away from the TV. Your reaction to what you saw? Uh, I mean, well, first of all, this whole weekend,
1: we probably didn't get up much off the couch at all between the NFL and college. But yeah, the Oregon game against Buffalo, I thought maybe the Buffaloes would have a little bit of a chance, but
0: boy, did they get blown out. Yeah. And the coaches, the coaches were just delivering messages to everybody and anybody. (laughs) What a weekend from network TV. The coaches were sounding off and blowing off a little steam along the way. Oregon presented their West Coast version of primetime football, and they beat the holy hell out of Neon Dion, Coach Prime, and the Colorado Buffaloes. 481 yards in offense, the defense had seven quarterback sacks. I found it hard to believe what was happening on the field, because I thought CU would hang in there for a while, but it was 35 nothing at halftime. At one point, I tweeted John... And said, uh, total offense is 234-23. to 23. <laughs> And that was that. at the end of the second <laughs> quarter. Uh, I felt really bad for the Buffs because they were overmatched. Uh, they were getting blown out. I thought they really got rattled. I think they em- just emotionally fell apart. Uh, the fans, fans in Autzen Stadium in Eugene, and it's a great venue. The minute Colorado came out for pregame warm-ups... And Coach Prime, with his sunglasses and his hat and his hoodie, let him out onto the field. The Oregon fans yelled, overrated. And that (laughs) went on all during pregame. And then it happened during the course of the game. And then there were fans in the end zone as they came running out of the tunnel that held up these Big placards of a picture of a Rolex watch, <laughs> and another one picture of all these jewelry that these players would wear. I mean, the, the duck fans were piling on, and of course Dan Lanning he gave an emotional pregame speech that the networks played up because the networks were given access to the coaches, and that never ever happens except now because Coach Prime is yapping and yapping and yapping. Now suddenly. Lanning and Jim Harbaugh. Everybody's got to make all these pronounced statements and allow the TV cameras to shoot. So so the coverage of the locker room is a little bit different. But Dan Lanning gave the sales pitch, for those of you who didn't hear about it or see it, he was yelling, yelling at his players. They think this is a Cinderella story. (laughs) <laughs> well, they're not going to be in Hollywood. They're at Autzen Stadium in Eugene, and we're going to teach him a lesson. And he says, they're all about clicks. We're all about wins. And players went crazy. And then after the game, Dion, in typical neon Dion fashion, it's us against them. Okay, media, come on. You're going to pile on me? Pile on me. We got beaten. he said, yeah, we played like garbage. Come on, bring it. Bring it. I can take it. He's trying to build the sentiment that, hey, go ahead. Just beat us up because we're going to come back. So we'll see if they come back. Uh, the one thing that really bothered me, uh, and I had talked about this when we did a segment a couple months ago about the transfer portal and my perspective that they that he did not, Dion, did not use the portal correctly. I thought it was really unfair to all those players. I told you that I had been told by other people around the Pac 12 people can run some scores on this guy. I thought Dan Landing, he left his starters into the fourth quarter. I thought he piled on. I thought he ran the score up. And he took risks because he lost one running back with a shoulder injury. And Nix took a wicked hit in the fourth quarter on a broken play. You know, I'm not sure he needed to have his starters in in the final 15 minutes of the final quarter of that game when they were up 42 points, but he did. But I I think there's a message there that we're – we're going to pay Colorado back for what they did to our conference and mm-hmm. how how they treated their players, et cetera. So, so, did you believe what you saw from the green and yellow? And your thoughts on the Buffs? Well, we knew bettered.
1: that Oregon was going to be tough, right? And and this is you know one of my first times really paying attention to Bo Nicks, you know, for an extended period of time. It's a very impressive program they have there, but everybody wants. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people want to see Coach Prime fail.
0: You No, not fail. I think everybody wants to see the shiny object out there. And at this point in time, it's Deion Sanders. I don't think fail. I think everybody's fascinated. He's flipped this. A lot of people don't agree with how he flipped well, it. Well, that's flips it. Saying, yeah. He's got a lot of athletes. So are they ready to play at this level? Obviously, this weekend, this past weekend, they were not. And by the way, this weekend in Boulder... USC.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, that's going to be <laughs> that's going to be another rough one. I mean because clearly they don't have the the offensive and defensive lines to handle yeah. these monsters that are on the other side. But I just, I love Prime and his, his, his tweets have been great, even coming out of this loss about believing in yourself and, and really kind of having the right spirit, you know, in terms of the energy that he creates and gets his guys going. But you, you had said from the very beginning of the transfer portal that, you know, he blew out like 50 or 60 guys. No one liked the way he did it. And you predicted they were going to run up the score on him when they got the chance. And now it finally happened because I think Oregon, yeah, they really wanted to kind of snuff uh dion they want to
0: rub his nose in the grass so that's where we are there then we had the, the unbelievable game i almost I, I don't know if i'd call it classic but i mean it was a hell of a game ohio state notre dame i mean it was it was physical force kind of old school football and ohio state came down the turnpike on the final possession with the young quarterback kyle mccord and he did a pretty decent job dealing with everything Notre Dame was throwing at him and dealing with everything in the stands. South Bend's a really tough bowl to yeah. play in. Yeah. And a kid got down the field, got him to the one yard line and they got it into the end zone. Now we find out Marcus Freeman, the coach of Notre Dame, admitting on Sunday, "Yeah, we only had 10 guys on the field the last two snaps." Ooh. Their players kind of got lost in the hoopla. Of the final (laughs) possession the Buckeyes had. It was a really good game. And then after the game, Ryan Day, the Buckeyes coach, just totally unglued in the post-game interview, screaming about Lou Holtz. (laughs) They honored the ex-Irish coach, the former ESPN guy. He's not in good health. They honored him in South Bend on Saturday before the game. And Lou Holtz, in an interview said Notre Dame's going to win because Ohio State's not physical. Huh? Uh, Ohio State, did they get beat the last two times they played Michigan? Yeah. Uh, Did they get whipped the last three times they've been in the college football playoffs? I mean, physically pounded? (laughs) Yep. Lou Holtz said they're not physical. Ryan Day just came unglued yelling at this old man, this 80-year-old guy. We are physical. We are Ohio proud. I'm proud of my guys. uh, Jeez. Ryan, take a deep breath here. You just won a really important game, and you're bashing Lou Holtz. So I I thought that one was really weird. Yeah, it's
1: strange. I mean, remember Jim Rome used to call Lou Holtz granny, yeah. you know, from the Beverly Hillbillies. And, uh, but yeah, you know, he was calling them out, saying they weren't tough. And Lou Holtz said, you know, I was on the staff with Woody Hayes when we won it all, and I know what I'm talking about. But yeah, Lou, man, just... Take a back seat here. Um, But I think part of this is the coach prime effect, right? exactly. You know, all these guys kind of running around with their chests out out in front of them, uh, being real proud. But I was rooting for Notre Dame in that game, you know, because I'm sick and tired of Ohio State's (laughs) always in the playoff, them in Alabama. And so then he won it on the last play of the game. I'm like, ah, what a bummer that was. So um, I don't know. It's just so so much drama in college football. Oh, it's the terrific. landscape
0: has changed. Yeah. In 12 months it is so changed. Hmm. And I'm waiting for Brady Hook to start yelling at me, you know, if they win a game or lose a game or <laughs> or whatever. All right, that being said, um you tell us on Fans Forum, you still got time to join the chat box, your reaction. Did you think Oregon ran it up intentionally or do you think coach Prime And the Buffaloes are just way over their head right now at the level they're playing. Let's go from that football topic to the next football topic, the team in town.
1: Reaction, you know, (laughs) San Diego State, Boise State. This game, I, I have to admit something. I didn't realize it was on Friday night mm-hmm. and, and, and I, I caught the score with like just a few minutes left and I went, oh, crap, I missed the game. And it turned out to be a pretty wild oh, one.
0: It, it was a really good game mm-hmm. back and forth big chunk plays very physical i had both teams played really well to me it was it was one and one a because boise state's the one picked to win the conference and i kept saying san diego state is going to come out of this non-conference schedule and you watch they're going to play pretty competitive football but unfortunately they lost the game at the end the aztecs have dropped three in a row uh, ashton genti this sophomore running back he did things against san diego state's defense never seen anybody do in modern time now maybe the aztecs were running um their formations were skewed they there were open gaps in that second level and genti ran for 205 wow and scored all those touchdowns and he was busting tackles I mean, he had, he had open space to run to. Safeties come up to try to put him down, and he was sidestepping guys and running over guys and stepping out of tackles. Taylor Green, the fresh, uh, sophomore quarterback, A little bit of a struggle throwing early, and then he threw for 162, most of it in the final two and a half quarters, and he busted some big runs. I think Jalen Maiden is just a warrior at quarterback. I call him Moose. 185 passing, 65 rushing, had to do it all by himself, but... He fumbled twice. He fumbled at the one going in. He fumbled at the 25. And Jack Browning is not the same kicker as he was a year ago. He missed another field goal. That's three in about his last six quarters of of play. And then here's the other storyline here, and I'm going to touch a hot button, I'm sure. You know, this fight for first place in the Mountain West, Mm -hmm. this this is a big game on the schedule. They sold only 14,300 tickets at Snapdragon. The place was half empty. And I'll ask Aztec fan, all three of you, you're invited (laughs) to join us in the fans forum. Where the hell are the fans? Where's the alumni? Where's the student body? I'm in a program that over the last decade's been pretty good. Brady Hoke to Rocky Long, back to Brady Hoke. Ticket prices. For this elite game, ticket prices were $100 to $250 with a 20% surcharge. So I think the university has screwed this whole relationship with the community up by overpricing everything. And then Nick Canepa, the Union Tribune's veteran lead columnist, he wrote, the football program at San Diego State is doomed because nobody will support it. So I ask a question, where are the alums? Where the hell are the students? Because I, I broadcast Aztec football in the early 90s in the Marshall Falk era, mm-hmm. and we're 48,000 to 52,000 to see the Aztecs at that crumbling old stadium. And now you get a shiny new stadium with coaches with a pretty good track record, and nobody's coming to see it. So— you talked about missing the game till the end. You saw some fireworks at the end. You respond, where the hell are the alums? Where the hell is the student body? And is this program doomed?
1: Oh, I don't think it's doomed. I mean, we were, just a year ago, we were talking about how the future looked bright. They were going to go to the Pac-12 and everything was going to change. You know, I just think it's been that s- series of all kinds of misfit, problems. You know, they were, there was COVID, they were out of town for two years, the new stadium, the high prices, the, the quarterback crisis, the quarterback crisis. Yeah, he had Burmeister thing and everything last year. And, you know, granted they scored a lot of points. I mean, for the Aztecs this last game, but their offense had been sputtering. It hadn't been a really entertaining product, but you figure when they built that, you know, build it and they will come and they're not coming. And so, yeah, I think they have to take another look at this. Now, when I, discover that, that holy crap the game is on Friday night I, which shocked me and I quickly looked at the stats and I looked at the passing completion percentage the rushing yards the throwing yards the Aztecs played pretty darn well but where they where they blew it was in the turnovers and it seems like that's what, what flipped the game just by looking at the
0: box score well they blew it because of the chunk plays and that running back ran wild I mean I was absolutely stunned but they go to Air Force, big challenge this weekend, not going to be easy because you're stepping out of the box to try to defend something you hardly ever see, hardly ever practice against, and they're going to need Jalen Maiden to make some big plays down the field. San Diego State has to make it a 14-0 game early because then it, then it forces Air Force to do some other things they're not real good at. But if if they don't get off the field defensively, Air Force ran for 400 last Saturday against San Jose State, 400. They lead the the nation, the globe, civilization, and (laughs) Russia. So big challenge for San Diego State at Colorado Springs next Saturday. Okay, final topic on the table here on our Monday bonus podcast. Yeah, so soccer, SoFi Stadium, we're already talking about World Cup here, Lee? World Cup comes in 2026, and now there's a problem. Stan Kroenke, owner of the Rams, owner of SoFi Stadium, is threatening to close the stadium to FIFA and not have games played here. FIFA always gets, it's like the International Olympic Committee. How much money do you have in your pocket? Give it to me. All of it. (laughs) Um, FIFA wants to control all the revenue. And SoFi Stadium says no. Our tenant to build the stadium was to host global events and everybody profits and makes money and the fans come to see it. We're not giving you the bulk of the revenue, the bulk, 85 to 90% of the revenue for World Cup games. And the LA venue, Southern California, West Coast market, huge in terms of soccer enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd sell out all those games at massive ticket prices. And SoFi and Stan Kroenke want equal share of the revenue. It's not all going to FIFA. And he says if you can't work a legitimate deal that's fair to us and fair to you, take your game somewhere else. Go play in a back parking lot. I it's awful lot of strong rhetoric, but not a lot of people have stood up to FIFA. Just like a lot of people don't stand up to the International Olympic Committee when it comes time to bid on on hosting venues or building things for venues. Mm-hmm. So be interesting to see where the story goes, but that that just kind of surfaced over the weekend.
1: Yeah, good on Cronky for doing that because yeah, the 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 FIFA and the Olympic committees both um, they're corrupt organizations, you know, they're taking bribes and and all of this. So it's good for him to stand up, uh, you know, because. Yeah, we'd love to see the games at SoFi, but it's not like it's a desperate thing, you know, for Southern California. we got enough going on around here. If we didn't have uh, World Cup games, you know, we'll live. Uh, but I, I would hope that a lot of the other venues kind of get behind Cronkey on this because they need to break down the corruption and kind of make this
0: like a legit business deal rather than some kind of a, you know, mafia operation. We shall see where this goes. A long time between now and 2026, but I think these... Shots were fired across the bow of the FIFA boat. That if you don't come to the table and negotiate something fair, yeah, just let the boat sail up the coast. You're not going to play your games at SoFi Stadium, which I find hard to believe hey hope you've enjoyed our monday bonus podcast now it's your turn john's favorite time the only friends (laughs) he has in the world are the ones that jump in here on fans Forum. god we could do an hour look at all the list you got on fans Forum, john just pick them and roll okay
1: yeah ed and mark and who else have rolled into here justin okay let's start up here with uh with brett and he says hey the padres spent too much time trying to be the
0: dodgers well, they they tried real hard in terms of player acquisitions. The difference is the chemistry in the Dodger clubhouse, as witnessed by the statements Clayton Kershaw made last week, is really different than the chemistry that did not exist nor the culture uh, in in Petco Park. And it, there's a huge, I think there's a huge difference in the way the analytics at Dodger Stadium work with manager Dave Roberts versus what has been forced down the throat. Of Bob Melvin, I think going forward, when they finish up with the series, San Francisco series, Comiskey Park, White Sox, they come home to pack up the gear and leave. The big question is: Bob Melvin stay, despite this lousy experience, or does he exit and walk out on his own, saying, "I'm not managing this because they won't let me manage this." Yeah, that's a
1: possibility. I mean, I, you can see Melvin standing up uh, for that because he's in a tough spot. He's getting squeezed. But in my opinion, the Padres you know, here, Brett says they spend too much time trying to be the Dodgers. Well, they should spend a lot of time trying to be the Dodgers because they have a proven success formula. And, you know, granted, you just can't just pay big money and get athletes. You've got to have the right culture, right system. The, you know, the whole organization head to toe has got to be aligned. Clearly the Padres are not the Dodgers know how to
0: do it. Yeah, Dodgers have won the division 10 times in the last 11 years with a manager that A.J. Peller did not want to interview. Yeah. Go figure that one out. And again, as we said at the onset of our Monday bonus podcast, the circle, the wagon stuff now. We had meetings. We had meetings all year. and Nothing changed. We had meetings. Well, too bad. Last week of the season's kind of late to have a meeting about what was wrong, and you never fixed it or recognized it, etc. I just don't buy the empty rhetoric. Next well, question, John. Well,
1: first of all, Musgrove said that that um, Manny addressed the players, and Manny, you know, came clean on all the accusations. And even Musgrove said that the report was BS. You know, an AC's article. He, you know, so I don't know. I think you're right to a degree. They're they're covering up. They're trying to make it all all look pretty but let's move on we got some san francisco giants comments here from the sg sports talk channel the san francisco giants are an absolute disappointment with so many injuries and they have to get rid of capler anxiety and they have basically thrown this whole season away
0: well I'll, t- I'll tell you what the san francisco people that i network with have told me there's a feeling that you know when they had the 107 win season and they didn't have any significant injuries. And it was just a bunch of guys that came together and everybody contributed. They thought this is the blueprint to we'll just keep doing this. Well, last season had a bunch of injuries and it was a lousy year. And this one's even worse because they have had so many injuries. So I think there's a lot of questions about Zaidi's the general manager's blueprint, that this doesn't work. It can't have a bunch of rentals and think they're all going to hit 300 and they're going to chase down the Dodgers and you can't think your rotation's going to take the ball every five days and nobody's ever going to have an injury. So suddenly everybody's really kind of questioning the San Francisco blueprint because now we got back-to-back really disappointing seasons after they were the marquee team two years ago when they won 107. Kapler is cut from a different cloth, real different persona in terms of game planning and punching buttons. Players seem to like him. He may be just different. And now people are questioning whether that offbeat approach actually works. But they're going to have money. Now we'll see if John's favorite player <laughs> if Showtime goes to San Francisco because yeah. maybe that changes everything in the Bay Area, though historically more more recent times they don't have a history of paying $40 million to a player. So I'll, we'll see what happens with San Francisco.
1: Well, if they think this blueprint isn't working, they got to go to a different blueprint. And even the Dodgers have, you know, two or three like big time Hall of Fame type of guys. And they surround them with these role players and, you know, multiple position players. But the Giants, they always seem to have these guys that overachieve, you know, and and they were, like you say, journeymen, and, you know, and they come to San Francisco and play well. And you're kind of surprised by the, some of these guys. Like Lamont Wade Jr., you know, he's a good player, but gosh, he plays a lot better than you expect. So the Giants need to change this up. I mean, I, I saw just a few days ago, they had lost 26 of their last 31 road games.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, just getting smoked. Not the same team. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see what they do next year. On we go. Next question. On we go. Uh, <laughs> this is from Gary, and he says, Staley is just plain dumb.
0: Well, he's a riverboat <laughs> gambler, but the guy is 20 and 19 with one of the great young quarterbacks in the league. And the guy's defense, even Sunday against Kirk Cousins, didn't play really well. They're still dead last in passing defense and close to last in overall defense. And this is supposed to be a team that some people up there think might be a potential Super Bowl. So I don't know if Staley's growing as a head coach because I sure don't see it on the defensive side. And the front page of his resume is all stapled with defensive accomplishments while he was a defensive coordinator before he became a head coach. And I don't see any of that happening right now.
1: Yeah. And then what was the final score? It was 28-24, right? No, 30. Oh, you asked me too quick now but they 're not scoring like forty something like we thought they would no. that they 'd have to outscore, so even the offense isn 't as as great as it could be, but i don 't know uh, Staley he just seems like i don 't know he just he made that fourth down call it was just insane that he he made that decision, and I get you know you want to put your confidence in your team, and yeah, we can go get one yard when we need it, but come on, man, i mean that that 's like a two minutes left in the game. You know, you, you pump a ball, and you have to make them drive the length of the field.
0: Yeah, and he's done this. You know, he ambushed everybody his first year with all the bravado of all these fourth down calls, and they were pretty successful. Mm-hmm. But I swear to you, from all the years I spent as the voice of the Chargers and in the NFL, the minute you start doing stuff, those coaches across on the other side of the field, they go, Look at all that video. They'll find ways to slow you down or take you out of what you do best. And it caught up to them last year. They weren't as successful. It's caught up to them more this year in terms of fourth down. So you just got to think the next move ahead before the other guy catches up to you defensively. Yeah,
1: yeah. So they got, they got a lot of work to do. But, you know, the season's still young. We're still in yep. September. Um, let's go here to uh, – um, here was the comment. There it is. This is from Manny. He says Oregon is just getting to the Big 10. Colorado should be happy they are going to the Big 12 since it's a weaker league.
0: Well, it is. It, you know, and we said this back weeks ago when this whole thing exploded and everybody was going different places. You know, everybody in Boulder is going crazy because of Coach Prime and everybody's wearing cowboy hats, etc. But it's not the Big 12 as it used to be. It's not Colorado, Nebraska when the Huskers were really important. There is no Oklahoma after this year. There is no Texas after this year. I mean, if you're going to get surprised about playing West Virginia, well, good luck to you. So the Big 12 is just not the same as it was before. Uh, we'll we'll see if, if CU bounces back. You know, now if they get obliterated again by USC this weekend, I'm not going to say cause for alarm because they're really going to be overmatched from a talent standpoint. The rest of the schedule, as they get out from beyond the USC game, they can probably hang in there as long as they don't get Shadur killed. He had seven, he got sacked seven times. He got pounded. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're losing players, and it's obvious they don't have enough offensive and defensive linemen right now. And their skill guys are starting to get nicked up. But you know, if if this turns out to be f- forty three to seven, that won't be good. <laughs> yeah. But once they get beyond the Trojan game, the schedule becomes much more winnable going forward if they still got the players healthy.
1: Yeah, uh, it's going to be great to see how they go up against SC, especially at home. So maybe the dynamic changes. Has there been any, any updates on Travis Hunter? Do we know
0: more yeah, about he's his situation? Out with lacerated spleen, so spleen. I, I would think three to five weeks. It was, oh. it was a wicked hit. It was. I thought it was a grossly. Cheap hit, too.
1: Oh, it was terrible. Yeah, I'm surprised yeah. that guy stayed in a game. But, you know, here here to Manny's point about the different conferences, I mean, clearly the Big Ten and the SEC are at the top, but you could make an argument that this year, the Pac-12 has got to be the third best conference, right? We
0: did the college preview two weeks ago, mm-hmm. and what was the junk that came out of my mouth? The year of the quarterback yes, in the Pac-12. for sure. Everybody, with maybe the exception of Arizona State, maybe Stanford, maybe Cal. Everybody else has got throwers, big time throwers. So I'd mm-hmm. give be a good year, a farewell year in the Pac-12 conference. you got some more friends here with questions? We do. Um, let's go here to Justin. He says, Hacksaw,
1: can we get your thoughts on the new expansion MLS team in San Diego? And also the team announcing their
0: name will be San Diego FC. That'd be fine with me. Doesn't matter what the nickname is, what the colors are. I'll be intrigued to see what kind of quality of players they get. They're not going to get a Lionel Messi, that's for certain. (laughs) Um, But it, it should do okay if they don't price the fans out of Snapdragon Stadium. That becomes a big issue going forward because it's like everybody's raising their prices, every sport in town. So I'll be fascinated to see, but it is a little bit further down the road. They are hiring people from the San Diego Loyal Organization who've already got contacts in the community, which is good. And it'll be fascinating to see what they do in terms of a, a manager, quote, coach, and then where they go to get players. Um, I don't know how to how to enunciate this to you. Uh, I mean, I love World Cup soccer. And I pay really close attention to the English Premier League. We're the only two dummies in San Diego. They get up at 4.30 on Saturday morning to watch Arsenal and Chelsea and Man U and Manchester City. I don't know if MLS soccer grabs the fans by the shirt and makes them fanatical. It's There's no doubt it's good. There's no good doubt that they're developing their own stars. Just look at some of those guys who've played MLS that are now part of the U.S. World Cup team. But by the same token, look at how many U.S. guys have gone abroad to play and become real stars and have come back to contribute to Team USA. So uh, I, I think it'll be successful. Is there going to be 35,000 fans per game successful? I don't just get that sense that it, it grabs the fans by the third, that we got to go see MLS in San Diego.
1: Yeah, I, I think they're going to do well. I mean, because... I remember back in the 1980s, I was, I was working at the sports arena when the San Diego sockers were blowing up and they'd sell out that arena. And now, granted, that was only what 12,000 or something, but the wave do really well, the mm-hmm. women's team. And, you know, San Diego state football is not grabbing people by the throat. So maybe soccer, there's a lot of soccer people in San Diego. Um, and they've been pretty loyal to the loyal, right? You know, in terms mm-hmm. of the minor league teams that have been here. So I, I think this could work. I mean, they're going to have to get a couple of, you know, star names. Maybe it on a messy, but you know, some some guys that they, they can really kind of market. Market. Yeah, exactly. And once they get that going, I think there's a good shot at that they're gonna do well. I just wish they would pick like a real team name. Like LA Galaxy kind of sounds cool, but FC San Diego or San Diego FC is like, come on, be a little more creative.
0: Yeah. I wish we could use San Diego conquistadors, but that's already been besmirched, so we can't use that. <laughs> but there's gotta be something <laughs> creative. That says San Diego, whether it's San Diego Missions, mm-hmm. San Diego Friars, there's got to be something linking us to the great heritage of our, our community. OK, let's move on a couple more here. OK, let's go here to um, to to Shardole. He says Sean Payton
1: should be fired from the Broncos after they start the season. 0 and three, which is absolutely gut wrenching for fans of this franchise.
0: Well, boy, they're not taking it very well in Denver. Not the fans, surely not the media, and he's not taken the critique. But they've been they've been decimated by injuries. He's got half a roster right now, and that that's a big issue. At the end of the day, you got you just got to give him time uh, to get his system, <coughs> get his players healthy, and hope they can keep Russell Wilson standing. You know, Russell Wilson threw I think it was for three twenty six against Miami, and he was having to throw an every down because there was such a big hole. Uh, but, boy, that's that's a beatdown that we have not seen. That's the most points given up in an NFL team game since 1966. The yeah. old Washington Redskins destroyed the New York football giants. They, they scored 76 on them. And this one they gave up 70 to Miami. So a lot of work to be done in Denver. And Sean Payton, you took the job. Fix this franchise. Well,
1: he's got a guaranteed deal, right? Yeah. So you know, I mean, after three games, firing him. I mean, I he's can't walk away. Yeah. So uh, let's keep going here. And uh, this is from Carlos, and he says, "Is it time to move on from Brady Hoke? San Diego State football seems stuck in the mud."
0: Well, they've got to grow this thing offensively. And Jalen Maiden has been a nice rental for a year and a half. The kid, I'll tell you, the kid's a warrior. I'm so impressed. He takes so many hits, and he runs the football. And, uh, I mean, he's a really, I think, a really good Mountain West Conference quarterback. Might be one of the better quarterbacks in this conference by the time we get to the finish line. But they've got three young quarterbacks that are stacked up on the depth chart behind him. I hope one of them's a thrower. Because I do think San Diego State's got to move into the 21st century, and they got to throw the football. And Brady gets—he grinds his teeth when he looks at me when I ask him questions (laughs) about, you know, Neanderthal football. Yeah, that's great. You had all these running backs, and you set all these records, and they got their name mentioned as potential Heisman Trophy candidates. But at the end of the day, it's not sexy. And people want stuff in neon lights now, and they want to see offenses. And, hell, we go to high school football games on Friday. Everybody's got throwers. Well, go find a thrower and give them the keys to the car and change your offense so you go down the field. And you can still recruit running backs. You can still play great defense. But I think the only thing that excite this community is, and there's, there's no Pac-12 to go to anymore. We don't know what the outcome of the Pac-2 is going to be. Hmm. The only thing that excite like this town is if you go get legitimacy at quarterback, and probably you have to do it through the transfer portal, but you get a thrower in here that makes this thing electric. I mean, you, you look at what, what happened at Utah State with Jordan Love, what happened at Fresno State with Jake Hayner. If those guys can flip programs, then it can be done here. But the coach has to philosophically want to be able to do it, and I would hope that Ryan Lindley as he hits the recruiting trail, is going to open more doors to more legitimate high school throwers that could come here and play in the sunshine. Do you think Brady Hoke's one of those
1: coaches that kind of has his system and then kind of recruits to his system? Oh, exactly. Or does he try to get the best athletes and will change his system
0: to maximize the skill and the talent of each of his players? Well, he hasn't gotten the quarterbacks to match anything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe quarterbacks stay away from San Diego State because all they do is hand the ball off and run it. And granted, they've they've had tremendous running backs here over probably a good decade and a half. I mm-hmm. mean, going back to the first modern-day one was Falk, but after that came a guy who was a transfer, George Jones, had a couple of really good years. And then obviously the more recent ones, whether it's Penny, whether it's Pumphrey, etc., uh, maybe quarterbacks stay away from here because the theory is – all they want you for is to hand off and throw a few safe passes where mm. we don't have guys down here throwing for 400 yards. But they've had it in the past. I mean, if you go back and look, if you were to punch up yearly passing leaders at San Diego State, they've had some quarterbacks, even in this modern era, who chucked that thing down the field. Tim Gutierrez was here for a couple of years as a starter. He he, he threw over 3,000 yards, didn't get a lot of national ink, but he was a pretty good player. Billy Blanton under Tom Craft was a thrower. Uh, obviously, Kevin O'Connell, Ryan Lindley accomplished so much, but since then, not not very much whatsoever. So can Brady change his ways? Can he change his spots on a domation dog? <laughs> nah. You asked me that last week. <laughs> I don't
1: think so. <laughs> okay, here's a comment from – where is it? Uh, from uh, – why am I stumped here? can't find it. They've got this huge list of people. Oh, here it is. And this is from uh, Raul. He
0: says, predictions for the Aztecs next week versus Air Force? Got to get out to a 14 nothing lead. Got to change the chemistry of the game, because if you let Air Force run the bleeping ball, the game will be over an hour and 45 minutes, and you'll lose. Like I said, Air Force runs stuff that you can't practice at full speed. There's just no way you can create the speed and create the the misnomers of how they fake handoffs. Who has the ball? Where does the ball go? You just can't do that. And granted, you know, they're, they're preparing for these past couple of games. And they they spent all their time preparing for what was going to happen to them last week and before that in the UCLA game and the Oregon State game. And that's really, really hard because you don't have time to put in. You don't have enough hours to be able to run, what Air Force runs, and get your defense up to speed. Um, if I were king, I would crash a line of scrimmage, I'd blitz every gap there was, and I'd make Air Force block a seven or eight man rush group. And that's the only way you slow those guys down. And if you can slow them down, and if you can score, then you're making Air Force happen to throw. And they don't do it very often. They don't do it very well or very consistently. It's got to be an early lead because, like I said freaking Air Force 400 yards rushing against San Jose last week
1: unbelievable now aren't the um, the Air Force Falcons aren't they 4-0 I think yes yeah so they're, they're they got off to a great start and is this game going to be in Colorado or at home Colorado Springs baby oh geez so you, you got to play up at elevation and against that wishbone attack and they will run the football to your eyes water and your nose bleeds Well, especially after seeing what boise state did to san diego state yeah. with the run yeah they're just going to keep going uh so yeah Hoak's got to make some adjustments eight man front
0: <laughs> air force going to beat him that way hey listen we hope you have enjoyed our monday bonus podcast we sure enjoy doing this we want you to subscribe want you to share hey You guys out there on live stream, we know you text, we know you email, you got your passe. You tell them what we're doing on Mondays and Thursdays with our live stream and check my website, leehacksawhamilton.com. And as we preach to you, give us a thumbs up, give us five-star rating because we are bleeping brilliant doing this. (laughs) We We hope you have enjoyed (laughs) what we're doing. Our thanks again to Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center Stores, nine locations in San Diego to serve you. John, enjoy the week. We'll see what Thursday brings when we rejoin you again in studio. Yeah, nice to be back in the studio. Get the fans involved. It's pretty great. It's nice to be off the disabled list. Trust me on that. that. that And thanks again for you for joining us on Hacksaws Headlines. Join us again for Hacksaws Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. For more content, go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com.